Let's pray, Pastor. Let's lift up your hands before the Lord. We were born for your glory. We were born for your pleasure. We exist for nothing else but for you. We were created for you and for you alone. You sent him to die on the cross because you have always had your eye on us. You have always pursued us for yourself because you want to pour your love upon us. You want to bless the nations of the world. There is nothing that you require of the human race except to bless them, except to pour yourself out on us. And Lord, this morning we have come to celebrate the fact that you said yes and you went to the direction cross and you were nailed. But the Bible says it was for our sake that you were picked up on the direction tree in the name of Jesus. As we gather today, we honor you. We glorify. We bless. We acknowledge you as our God, for there is no one who will ever outdo you. You outgave everyone who gave whatever offering, for you gave the best you had. So Father, as we gather now in Jesus' name, we thank you for what has happened. We thank you for the blessing upon your people. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for things that have been broken. We thank you for curses that have been reversed. We thank you for change broken today. In the name of Jesus. Because the blood indeed speaks. And it is the loudest voice in the atmosphere. It speaks on our behalf. It speaks on our behalf. And as we gather today, Jesus Christ is our advocate. He has never lost the case. He's not going to start today. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. 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 Would you mind just looking at the person sitting next to you and tell them you're welcome, this is home. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is us. That's wonderful. Amen. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We just had communion, but it's so powerful. Uh, through the blood that we drink. So again, I want to just welcome you before I go on. Oliver, bless you, Sissy. Uh, bless you, Faith. Bless you, Thompson. And everyone who is here for the first time, bless you. Bless you. Bless you, Amen. In Jesus' name. And before we start, I just want to say, when we drink the blood of Jesus, we disown, not disown. Disown. Every other blood that was shed on the altar of demons, we cut ourselves off, we cut ourselves loose. Whatever was shed, 
It doesn't matter how many years ago it happened. When I partake of the blood of Jesus, I'm saying I render everything else null and void. It will not speak for me or against me anymore. From the point onwards, I only allow the blood of Jesus to speak. You remember in the book of Hebrews 12, 24, it says the blood speaks. So when we partake of the cup, we're shutting every other mouth. That is screaming somewhere because those animals died complaining. And they want to see a return on investment. They are saying wherever they are, we did not die in vain. We died so that in this family, they will always have cancer. We died so that in this family, poverty will reign supreme. So when that does not happen, so when we partake of the blood, we are saying we shut your mouth. The only blood we are recognizing is the blood of Jesus. speak. I am only allowing one voice. And what voice alone is the voice of the blood speaking on my behalf. Master Tzidka and we partake of the bread. We are disowning. You must get used to the word disown and to disconnect and to unplug. How to unplug? We are unplugging from any other meal. What would you were at the table of demons? Whatever meat was eaten. And they sat there and feasted. We are saying as we partake of this bread. No other meal is a kuluma in my blood. I am only acknowledging the body of Jesus. Because let all near death, you are also represent the body of someone else. So you are now one with me. So when you partake of the body, sit we cancel it in the name of Jesus. Say Amen. Say Hallelujah. Amen. We are to here today, but going to have an amazing weekend for the church all over the world. Amen. Because Holy Weekend, we are celebrating the fact that the Son of God came. So the sons of men could be the sons of God. He came to buy us back. For the three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the destiny of the human race was changed forever. So as the church on every continent, that must be celebrated. Because there was the greatest victory ever experienced and registered in the heavens. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, things shifted forever. Things would never be the same. It, things would never ever be the same. I don't care what the enemy would whisper in your ear, but things would never ever be the same. There is a church called PHC, the Pentecostal Holiness Church. 
we, I know that Bishop, Bishop Svea, we sometimes we go out to lunch with the Gospels and himself just talk. So he's in charge of the province, of, of Northern Province, Northern, Northern KZN. What happened was, apparently the, the roof fell on them. How many people died? 13 people died last night. People were praying and the roof just fell in and over 13 people died. So this is what is happening there. We know that over this weekend, the enemy wants to shed blood to see if he can kind of confuse the people. You will hear of certain things happening on the roads. There's so much blood shed. It is as if he's saying, because blood was shed, I want to shed some blood myself. So I want us to pray and cover churches everywhere in the name of the stand with me. That even this weekend the blood of Jesus shall be ministered. Every service will be dominated by the blood of Jesus and the blood flow. Now Father, we pray. And for, for our brothers, Pentecostal Holiness Church, we thank you, O oh God, in Jesus' name, that you keep your people and you protect your people. We pray for every church everywhere. Those who are gathering right now, those who will be gathering tomorrow, those who will be gathering on Sunday, every church, every ministry, we speak a blessing upon them, O oh God. We bleed the blood of Jesus. We speak your protection. We speak your hand. We speak your covering. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, let Jesus be the headlines. Let me make headlines this week. Let nothing done by the enemy make headlines. Let Christ, let Jesus, let his blood make headlines. Let his love. His mercy, His grace, Lord in Gustavus, and His grace, His grace dominate, dominate conversations in the name of Jesus. His forgiveness, His redemption, Him redeeming us. Let that dominate conversations at dinner tables in the name of Jesus. The fact that we have been loved, the fact that He came. Father, we bring the blood upon our roads in the name of Jesus. Upon our highways, upon our national roads, upon every road in Jesus' name. Even as people travel to and fro, we know the enemy is opportunistic. He wants to use them to draw focus on himself. Father, we pray and we speak covering. We speak of protection upon your people. Black, white, every nationality. In the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter what religion they are in. We don't care. For the love of Jesus Christ has been poured upon us. Our mandate is to love and to pray for them. And to bless them. And to seek the best for them. In Jesus name. So as we gather in this place. We bring our province. Let it rain upon our province. Let the blood of Jesus sweat. Let the blood sweat. 
upon the atmosphere of Rosulatan. Let the blood of Jesus spread in the name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Say hallelujah. Now, today I want to just draw your focus uh, because our main focus now is the cross. Amen. So I want to talk to you. I'm going to talk about the three things, but they all one thing. Amen. So I want to cover in this uh, message today what is called the tales of two gardens, or tale of two gardens, the tale of two gardens. Now you, you can understand it, amen. It's in places with it, just so profound, that's just so amazing. And then I'm going to cover with you because when we talk about the tale of the two gardens, uh, we're talking about the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane, amen. Lendoyalathea in the Garden of Eden is restored in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is why when Jesus wants to restore, he has to find himself a garden. So he can reverse that which was lost in that other garden. Amen. I will then also talk to you about the fruit that hung on the tree. These things, when you begin to understand them, let me tell you, it makes a whole lot of sense, and you begin to step out of the weekend, Passover weekend, a new person for the glory of God. In Bible, the Amazon speaks of four different gardens. Of the four, we are going to focus on the two. But we know that in Genesis chapter 2 verse 8, the Bible speaks of the Garden of Eden. We also know that there is a Garden of Gethsemane where Christ was buried. In actual fact, Gethsemane, you will realize that in this way he went to pray, it says three times, and he prayed until his sweat turned into drops of blood. We will explain why that happened. There is also the garden in Calvary. Garden in Calvary, John 19:41. And the last garden that the Bible speaks of is the garden called Paradise. The very word Paradise means garden. Two out of the four are very important this weekend as we celebrate the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we love. So, for you and I to appreciate what happened in Gethsemane and later on in Calvary, I must understand what happened in the Garden of Eden. Because I cannot understand the restoration if I don't understand what was damaged and the harm that the enemy caused and what Jesus came to repair and to restore. So I need to spend some time just showing you a few things in the Garden of Eden which the enemy sought to accomplish, which he did accomplish 
and the Lord Jesus had to come and then recover that in another garden. Now, if you can just turn with me in your Bibles in the book of Genesis chapter 3, we read uh, from verse 9 to verse 10. You will realize that Eve, eating, eating, you may not have heard this before, but the Garden of Eden is a place of the voices. Out place of the voices. The place of the voices. There were three voices in the Garden of Eden. Three voices, only three. That is going to be absolutely important as we go on this morning. So if you read in chapter 3, it says, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice. So that's the voice of God. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. What the voice of God? There is another voice that was present in the garden of Eden. It didn't come there just to, to be a tourist, just to sightsee. There was a, a mission, there was an agenda that was scary. Because the voice represents a message. A voice carries a message. That message when they find someone on earth to agree with it, it manifests itself physically in the earth. So there's the voice of God and then there's the voice of Eve or the voice of Eve. We don't want to be personal and say the voice of Eve. It's the voice of man, which is the human race. But in that particular context, uh, Eve speaks, so the voice of Eve. Now, in the same chapter, in verse number 17, the Bible says, Then to Adam, God said, Because you have, you have heeded, or you have paid attention to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree, of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground, therefore, for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. As the second voice in the Garden of Eden, it came for a particular assignment because it needed someone to agree with in the earth. The third voice. That is spoken of in the Bible is the voice of the serpent. After the voice of the serpent, the voice of the enemy. When he speaks, he speaks and he expects someone to agree with him. Without a partner in human form, whatever he wants to accomplish in the earth, it can never be done. So he comes there not to say the length of Eve's hair or the muscles on Adam's body. That's not, he does not care. The Bible says he was carried at angel. He walked amongst the fiery stones in the heavens. He does not care about a, a leaf on some tree. That's not his, his, his preoccupation. He comes there and shows up. He has an agenda. What's the agenda? 
Moses. The message they are bringing to the garden shall take form or shall begin to be physical. It will be tangible. Because the word is spirit. They are bringing something as well. But when they find a physical entity called man, the message they are bringing, if he can agree with it, it then will transform from being spirit into being physical. It will be tangible. It will be experienced. It will be touched and tasted and smelled. So if the enemy comes and he has an agenda, and Adam will agree with him, Whatever he is carrying will begin to manifest itself in the lives of the people. And it will become visible. And they will begin to see it. They will taste his wrath. They will taste his rage. They will begin to experience it and leave it. I'm just trying to track with you. Amen. So, the voice of God, which was apparently undermined of the day, it's the voice that created and nourished the garden. You would hope that Adam would remember that. The voice of the Almighty, Jehovah Jireh, he is Elohim, he is El Shaddai, he is Jehovah Rophet. El Elyon, God was, God is, God is to come. Is the voice that has had established the, the, the culture in the garden. It's the voice that had established protocols in, in, in the garden. Now understand that. The serpent comes with his voice and he twists and he challenges what God had said. In other words, he calls God a liar. Whatever God has said, He undermines the fact that that's the very voice that had created everything. He calls Him a liar. He may as well have said, whatever that you say, it may not have been true. Maybe He called somebody else and maybe he didn't do it Himself. So you would think that Adam would be so by now to understand that here He is dealing with a very important situation that will determine the cause of nature. By the time the voice of Eve speaks, it comes as a signature to sign, to seal the deal. Whatever she is going to say is going to seal the deal in either in favor of or in favor of Satan forever. As we study, as you know, because we have read the story, the Bible says Adam chose to agree with the voice of Satan. Because of that, the Bible then God said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you saying you shall not eat of it cursed 
is the ground for your sin. It's like, how dare cast is the ground for your sin. In toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and vessels it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the veil. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of the ground you will take and dust you are, and to the dust you shall return. The heavens are shaking. Archangels in heaven, the son of him, it's a shock of your life. It's like when someone has to make a choice which according to all heaven is just common sense. He just chooses something that is like, look, oh. All of heaven is, is, is shaken because Adam has chosen to cast his lot with the enemy who had been chased out of heaven because of rebellion. And so God continues to say to him in the book of uh, Romans, if you read chapter 5, please go there with me quickly. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12, and then we read number 14. The Bible says, Therefore, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, that's verse 14, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. And this is very important. Adam was a type of the one who was going to come. It's not funny. It may as well be round number one. Because God in his wisdom and foreknowledge, he had kept in his back pocket, so to speak. The greatest surprise the enemy would have thought of. Someone called, the Bible calls him the last Adam. There is the first Adam in the Garden of Eden. And he messes up. He chooses the voice of the enemy. As such, he embraces the message of the enemy. And by welcoming the message of the enemy, he is determining the content the world will consume through media, through every other uh, platform that you can think of. Whatever we consume through the movies, through gaming, through magazines, through whatever media that there is, is because the content, the voice which carries the message was allowed entry into the earth. So you cannot allow the voice 
and you shine because you are the second witness before God and before nature. And God chose the garden because so that even nature could bear witness. So you cannot allow a voice before God and all of heaven to come. You open the doors into the spirit. Code 2019, therefore, it makes sense that content of content on television everywhere will be determined by the enemy, by principalities and powers. They are in charge of content. When you drive out here and look at a billboard, it will say nothing about the blood of Jesus because it's not their agenda. It's not what they are supposed to do. The content they are supposed to support is that which was welcomed and embraced by Eve in the Garden of Eden. So the word of God's logos. Where you find the word logo, the representation of God himself. When we speak the word, that's content which Adam was supposed to have allowed in the beginning when he shut out the voice of God. So when you hear the word preached, Israel represents the voice of heaven which was supposed to be the ruling content. What is content? So, when we preach the word of God, everything that God says, when a prophet, a real prophet, not this Papa prophet, professor, when a real prophet speaks, he speaks from that which is in heaven and he makes it known to us. Now, why are we talking about that today? Because when Jesus came, he comes now to us. The Bible says, as the last Adam, surely he will not have the last word that Satan called the dragon. God will not allow him to have the last say in the matters of the universe. Somebody said he may be the devil, but he's still God's devil because he's on a leash. Yeah, yeah. So he allows him to just find his mother. Yeah. You just allow him, just give him a rope. Yeah. When he begins to go about him, yank him back. So whatever he does, he is on God's leash. Yeah. He's still being pulled from time to time. No, out of order. That's not yours. Oh, yeah. So he was never going to have the last say. I told you some time ago that now because of what is happening in the world, and now it's thousands of years later, but in the way, and God has to cover himself, so he gives a prophetic word. He says, His seed shall crush your head. You shall enable his heels in case. But he, the seed, of the woman shall crush your hair. Yes. Now that word goes out in the atmosphere as an investment. Yeah. 
it will be accomplished. It's only a matter of time until the second angel comes and he crushes the head of the serpent. Not only him, but even those who are his offspring. Because of sons and daughters. He says, I give you power. I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. I give you authority to trample upon serpents. To trample. To trample upon serpents. And scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. So whatever the enemy is doing, this last other wife Eva, all the stuff that you see in, the, in, in, in Egypt, all the chaos that the Son of Man is coming, and surely he will have the last word. Because the Bible is very clear, is because it's very clear, the Bible is clear that Lucifer is a created being. As last time, just write this picture down. First Corinthians 15, verses 45 to 47. Just write it down because I just flow. Amen. It says, and so it is written: the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man, the second Adam, is the Lord from heaven. That is in your Bible. Now he comes, the second Adam, to our Then he said to them, 
My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. Say amen. So Jesus, for him to be able to reverse what the first Adam had done, he must then choose the voice of God. He must embrace, how to embrace? On his knees, he must embrace the voice and the will of heaven. I want to tell you something. Everything was hinged. It depended upon what Jesus was going to do in the garden on his knees. Because as it was in the garden of Eden, the serpent was there. Now, you will not see the word serpent there in your lines, in your the text. But we know that the serpent was there because the, the Bible says Jesus was troubled and deeply distressed and exceedingly sorrowful. In the environment of Christ, those things don't exist. They exist under a certain atmosphere. When the enemy is present in any kind of atmosphere, you'll find sorrow, you'll find distress, you'll find anxiety, you'll find depression. Other translations will tell you it was extremely depressed. Now we know that the enemy was there. Why? Because while Jesus is pregnant, so I had to pray three times. Oh, Jesus was a powerful warrior. He could have prayed once and suddenly, but the, he was carrying the entire weight of the world upon his shoulders. And the voice of the enemy is speaking as he spoke in the Garden of Eden. It is speaking to him. Will you really die for them? Will you really give your life for these sinners? Remember church, he was not only going to be dying for those in his generation. He was carrying nations still to be born. Whatever sins they were going to commit. 